Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast QB Strategy Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harris, joined as always by the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, this is going to be a good episode, man. I was reading your article. We have gone through every team. We talked about every player. Now it's time to actually show the people how to draft quarterbacks. And then we'll talk about running backs, wide receivers, tight ends another time. But today, man, all things quarterback. Great day to be great. Yeah, man, we've just been pouring the for- the foundation, right? You know, we've just been, you know, pouring the concrete, all the plumbing, all that shit's done. And now it's like, okay, let's freaking build this house. Like, how are we going to build this house? Like, what do we want it to look like? And like, this is my favorite time, man. Like when you get to start putting it all together. So yeah, I'm super excited about, you know, um, walking through it. And we'll do one for each position. Like you mentioned, this one will be on quarterback. But the the main thing, like at the highest level that I would just say to folks is like, Look, every year is different. I know you, you're you're laughing. Come on, the say pod. it. Say it. You're you're reading. <laughs> yeah, what was my line that you were reading? Ian? Every, uh, every per Dwayne, every season is different, and every draft is a dynamic living organism. There you go. Yes, and <laughs> maybe it's a maybe that was a bit dramatic, but uh, <laughs> it's true. And my main point here is, look. I'm a believer in all the different strategies, right? You can go robust RB, you can go modified, you can go superhero, you can go zero. There's a time to deploy all of these things, but I think there's two major components. Number one, every season is different. And the way I like to look at it is, you know, if we're looking for certain player archetypes or certain players with certain traits, seeing where they're going in ADP. And then there's there's going to be players that we're going to feel more confident about, not just because it's an isolated player take, but because historically these are the traits we see in these types of players. If we know we can get them later in the draft. Let's let's say for example, this year um, we think there's just a ton of value, you know, at wide receiver or at running back, which we'll talk about those positions later. Um, it may not have been that way last year. It may not have been that. It may not be that way next year. Every year, there's going to be someone hitting those ranges. But what you're looking for is like, where are the biggest pools of value? Meaning, your your strategy doesn't have to be so tight that oh my god, if I don't get this one wide receiver in round six, I'm screwed. It needs to be there's ten receivers between round six and round eight that I love, and I know I can get two of them. So that means maybe I'm only going to only going to take two, right? And the first, and this is just a hypothetical that I'm talking through. But the point being, every year where those pockets of value occur is a little bit different, you know, in draft. So you have to take that into account. And the way I think about it is you're basically, you know, if you're building a puzzle, like you're looking for the corner pieces first, you know, and then you start building inward right from there. And so that that's kind of the way that I think about it. And because of that, every year can be a bit different. But the main thing is flexibility. So if you know where those pockets of value are, regardless of what way you start. And to be honest, this year is pretty flexible. You can start and we talk and it's, it's changed a little bit, but you and I talked about this like back in April, you know, we did a reverse kind of, you know, look at, you know, ADP, just walking through all the positions and not a ton has really changed since then. Um, you know, we've refined like the players we would be targeting and everything. But at the end of the day, like you can build your teams a lot of ways this year. Um, but there are certain certainly some areas that you've got to be careful with. And, you know, quarterback, when I look at it, the thing that, you know, is sticking out to me and you and you can jump in here, too, because I know you just you know, you put out a great article today talking about, you know, typically, you know, we're looking at the ADP for the top 12, you know, over the last 10 years. And then how often, you know, do you get, you know, a, a quarterback that can jump inside the top 12 that wasn't there before? But you also talked about the consistency, right, of the top 12 quarterbacks in ADP. So you can talk about that in a second. But the thing that I really looked at for quarterback is, you know, it's changing, you know, because of what we have with these dual threat quarterbacks. When you have a Josh Allen, plus you have a Lamar Jackson, plus you have a Kyler Murray, um, you know, you have these guys that just have these huge ceiling outcomes because what if they hit in both areas? What if they blow up in both areas? In the past, we maybe had one quarterback like that. But if every year you've got a pool now of four to six guys, you can throw Jalen Hurts in the mix there. You can throw Trey Lance in the mix. There's so many guys that could hit big in both areas that the QB one outcomes are just growing, you know, quarterback performances overall are growing because the league is changing. The rules have changed all these different things. But if you look, for example, the QB one versus the QB 12. So a lot of people play in 12 team leagues. So the, the 12th quarterback is basically after that's where replacement value starts, right? In a 12 team league. And so if you look at it from 2018 to 2021, the QB one overall outscored the QB 12 by 133 points. That's 8.3 fantasy points per game. If you look at 2014 to 2018, so the four years before that, it was only 104. So six and a half points per game. So the gap is growing between the QB one and the QB 12. Now all quarterbacks are scoring more, 
but these top, top level folks are really doing it at a higher rate. So the next thing I wanted to look at is, okay, well, great. What if we don't look at QB 12? Let's just look at the last four years and look at QB six, because we do have more dual threat quarterbacks. You know, there's roughly, you know, four to six each year that we're looking at, looking at over the last few seasons. And, you know, it gets a lot tighter. So 2018 to 2021, the QB one outscored the QB six by 86 points. That's roughly five points per game. 2014 to 2018, 76 points, roughly five points per game. So there's not a huge drop off from the QB1 to the QB6, but there is a major drop off from QB1 to QB12. Um, and one last thing that I did look at was just like, what if you didn't have a top 12 quarterback, right? Because a lot of people, when they hear late round quarterback, because a lot of the work like JJ Zacharyson and a lot of others have done, JJ obviously coined it. Um, and it was true back in the day, like yeah. you could just really wait. Um, and you still could, but you got to make sure you hit on a top 12, right? Or a top 10 player. You can't miss. You don't want to miss and be like, well, I think this guy's going to be a top 12, a top eight quarterback. And he turns out to be quarterback 20. That's really going to suck for you because it's going to be a big difference between QB one and the player you have. But I just used QB 15 and I kind of was doing it. Honestly, it, it was arbitrary. It was looking at our tiers this year. And I'm like, yeah, there's three guys I would probably be fine with after 12. If I had to would be in my QB one. Sure. And so I looked at QB 15 as that number and 157 points for the QB one outscoring outscored the QB 15 by 157. And if you look at 2014 to 2018, it was 119. So again, that gap is growing. The gap between QB one and the lower tier QBs is definitely growing. Not so much though, versus the middle tier quarterbacks which is what we'll jump into in a minute. Hint, and that really hint, hint. That layers into the strategy. Yeah, great stuff there. And as you mentioned before, have my own article up there. Best late round quarterback options of 2022. Just looking at the history of quarterbacks with a top 12 ADP actually going on to finish in the top 12 because it does seem like we're getting better and better at predicting the position. And it wasn't we, we haven't been on this constant rise from 2010 to 2012, actually even 13. It was at a 66.7% rate. So eight out of the 12 quarterbacks uh, on a yearly basis were also finishing in the top 12. It dipped down though, man, from 2014 to like 2017. I mean, it wasn't even going over 50%. So that was the time where six or more quarterbacks per year were not having a top 12 ADP yet. They were finishing top 12 by the end of the year. But it's been on a straight linear line up ever since, man. Last do you year, have any? Do you have any thoughts on why that might be? Like my my quick hypothesis would be, back in the day, you basically had the elite passers, and they I, were always I, up there. I think you, it's what you just said about the dual threat talents and how we yeah. used to have one of these guys in the league, and now we have six or seven of them. So that the general offensive explosion, just some of the rule changes that have taken place over time that I think have made football. You know, football in the year twenty twenty two looks a hell of a lot different than yeah. some of those uh, Steelers Ravens playoff games we saw at the <laughs> end of the you know two thousands. And my God, if we go back in the nineties or something, people know how much uh, how much more extreme that back is. Back when but, Kendrell Bell was blowing people up, yeah. But man, even last year, like the only two misses and I, I was using full overall points. I didn't do points per game. So you can call that a limitation of the study. But last year, the only misses Lamar Jackson, and Russell Wilson, when they were healthy and out there, they were largely excellent quarterbacks as well. So really more times than ever, man, we're, no one's truly sneaking up on us. We have seen some Lamar Jackson 2019 was the QB 11 um, in fantasy football calculator ADP. He could have been lower depending on the site you were using. Patrick Mahomes. Holmes, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger were all top five quarterbacks in 2018, despite being outside the top 12. Dak and Jameis had top five finishes in 2019, despite being outside the top 12. But really, Dwayne, out of all the positions, and I've seen some good work, uh, I think, from Scott Barrett and some others in the industry looking at the other positions with this. We're better than ever at predicting quarterback play in particular. And I think a lot of that can also be attributed to you see how rough in the passers call, calls go these days, man. These guys are staying healthier than ever and good because there is no quicker way to make a terrible NFL product than to have two terrible quarterbacks facing each other. So as ticky-tack as some of those rough in the passer penalties can be, I do think it's a net positive. And because of that, we're seeing quarterbacks score more fantasy points at a higher consistency than pretty much ever. Well, I think the other hypothesis I would have is like, we we've got a rich group of young ascending quarterbacks, you know, and we've, it's kind of been in the making for the last several years. Whereas we just used to, we had the old guard, right? Um, of course, Brady's still around, but we had Peyton Manning, we had Brady, we had Drew Brees, we had these high level, you know, passers, but when the league wasn't willing to incorporate the legs and those, and we didn't have the talent available, right? Necessarily for coaches to do that. It's kind of been a combination of both things. 
But looking at those things, you know, together, I think we were also kind of in a fragile state with quarterback for a couple of years where you had like the the old greats were going down. The new guard was kind of coming on and it creates these these points of tension. Like I remember this happened with running back. I don't know, like six or seven years ago. Everybody was so like just blowing up running backs and, 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 you know, how you shouldn't draft them in fantasy. Well, it's because we didn't, we didn't have all the elites. Then all of a sudden Todd Gurley gets drafted. Ezekiel Elliott comes into the league. David Johnson starts to blow up, you know, and we just get all of a sudden this huge influx of running backs going in the first round of NFL drafts or early second rounds. And look, everything swings back the other way again. So a lot of it has to do with what talent does the NFL have available to deploy? And I think to your point, like with these dual threat quarterbacks and them being willing to, you know, incorporate that into their game plans more than ever. Like, and you and I've talked about this before. Imagine Mike Vick today. If Mike Vick got to play on an NFL offense with an open-minded freaking head coach today, like it would be, it would be nuts, man. Like we, we saw a brief glimpse of it with Andy Reid at the end of his career. I mean, it would just, it would have been nuts. Real quick on the point where how much younger these quarterbacks are. If you look at the underdog ADP right now, each of the top seven quarterbacks, Allen, Herbert, Mahomes, Jackson, Murray, Hertz, and Burrow, all 26 years of age or younger. Yeah, we got Russ in his 30s and Trey Lance, Dax there, Brady, Stafford, a couple old guys. But man, overwhelming majority. I'm, it wasn't that long ago, Dwayne, where you could hear you know the talking heads on Sunday mornings going, what's the NFL going to do when Brady, Peyton, and Big Ben are retired? Well, they have figured that one out in style. Adapt or die. Ian, adapt or die. If you hate change, you'll hate irrelevance even more, as a wise man once oh, said. That's a good one. Ooh, it is. It's uh, that hard. Did you come up with that? It's not, nah, it's on my quote wall. I'll find it another time. All right, we can talk about it later. This is really good. This is a good podcasting, right? Good here. podcasting. I was trying to find <laughs> Eric Eager had a great note on his Twitter about Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick's difference in scramble rates, but you guys just have to take my word for it. We will get to Dwayne's quarterback strategy now. So Dwayne, in your article, you basically just walk people through an entire draft saying, okay, here are the early rounds. Here's where you should be expecting, you know, these quarterbacks should generally go. Here are centerpieces. Here are targets. Here are fades. And it's like, hey, if you make it through the early rounds, you don't get these guys. Okay, great. Now here's what your strategy should be in the middle round. So starting things off with the early round quarterbacks, you have seven players going in this range. Josh, and it's not you. It's just the these players. Are yeah, so these are ADPs. So um, it was kind of tough because I had to take a blend. So I looked because I, I know everybody plays in different scoring formats. So I used a blend of ESPN, Yahoo, FFPC, Underdog. I really weighted it more towards the home league ESPN, Yahoo stuff. And then I would make notes really more about FFPC. But I put a chart in the article so you guys can see it. And you can see the differences between the leagues. Like, like for example, on FFPC, quarterbacks just go later because there are two flex spots so people want more running backs they want more receivers and it's tight end premium so one and a half points per you know tight end reception that pushes tight ends up the board so what what falls down the boards in a draft like that it's the quarterbacks so it's all relative so if you hear us reference those things that's that's why there's some differences Looking directly now at the early round QBs again, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and Joe Burrow. Centerpieces, Dwayne, Kyler, Lamar, and Jalen Hurts. Look, all these guys are great. If you wanted to, I think Burrow is probably in a different tier as them, but from Allen to Jalen Hurts, like if you really wanted to flip them, I'd say like you're probably wrong because Josh Allen deserves to be the QB one. But I do think you could argue that it's one big tier. At a minimum, we can go 1A to 1B. But the fact that Kyler continues to fall and maybe now that he's got, you know, 200 plus more millions uh, in his bank account, people will realize, you know, how great of a talent he truly is. But it just doesn't make sense how much cheaper Kyler is relative to the rest of these guys when you could argue, Dwayne, he has a higher ceiling to anyone other than josh allen yeah so for example if you're if you're dealing with an espn league right and you want to take josh allen you got to take him 23rd overall you know you look at kyler murray you know you can get him down you know around pick 60 you want to or you know in the 50s at least you know if you want to look at you know someone like patrick mahomes going at pick 30 and so that's espn you look over on yahoo and josh allen is going at pick 19 uh, yahoo may be six points Per passing touchdown or nineteen, I know it's half point per PPR, but yeah, still, it's just too big of a gap. So that's the challenge here. Um, so the way I'm treating these early rounds, and and th that is all based on ADP, right? The, the ones you listed, quarterbacks going in this range doesn't mean this is our tiers. Doesn't mean any of that. That just means this is the market. This is what yeah. the market is doing, and then the analysis, like we give, tells you like how we would handle it. And so when you look at these, 
Yeah, it's just that Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts are all going well after Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. And I just don't see any reason to need to reach for Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. Do we think Josh Allen's the number one quarterback in fantasy football? Yes. Is Josh Allen worth three to four rounds you know, difference in ADP versus Kyler Murray? Is it worth taking Josh Allen at pick 19 when I could take Saquon Barkley and still come back and get Kyler Murray? I could take Leonard Fournette. I could take, you know, uh, maybe a DeAndre Swift. I mean, there's so many players that we could talk about there. You're, you're, you're passing up on an elite running back or receiver. You're passing up on Mark Andrews, you know, and you could still come back later and just get Murray. And guess what? In the rounds where you're talking about Murray, Jackson, Hurts, I'm going to name to you, some of the wide receivers and folks going. So let's start over here on, you know, ESPN and we'll talk about some of the, you know, receivers, et cetera, that are going around these guys. So Antonio Gibson, do you want Antonio Gibson or do you want Kyler Murray? I'll take Kyler Murray. Yeah, exactly. Antonio Gibson has two other backs in his backfield. It's a total unknown. It's just, it's a complete look, Antonio Gibson. We love his profile. But I would much rather take, you know, a running back in round two and pass Josh Allen and come back and take Kyler Murray in round five over Antonio Gibson. Right. You're talking about Brandon Cooks. Fine. We like him. But look, Jerry Judy, Darnell Mooney, um, Amari Cooper. And this was your intro point to like identifying these soft spots for certain positions in the draft and taking advantage of where they're stronger. And this is where quarterbacks are stronger. Right. And so when the tears flatten like this into this area of ambiguity is what I would call any one of those receivers I just mentioned could be good. But we know that Kyler Murray is going to be good. We also know that quarterback scoring is up. We also know that the cutoff is around quarterback six to be similar to QB1. So you take all those things together, and it just leads me anyway. When I'm in that range, I'm taking Kyler, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, or Jalen Hurts in the fifth and sixth rounds of probably 60% of my drafts. I mean, Kyler Murray is on 35% of my teams. Hertz yeah. is on 20, 20%. So Lamar's a little more expensive. I don't get him as often. Um, you know, when Lamar, I want Lamar to slide a little past ADP just because I can still get, you know, Jalen Hurts, you can get a full round later than Lamar Jackson. But I want my exposure to Jackson because he's still cheap enough. And when I will typically take Jackson, um, and I, sh- I know, I think you just the other day, and when we were drafting together over on the Fantasy Football Hustle podcast, you guys can go check it out where we had our invitational, had 12 you know great folks, including Ian, jump on. Didn't you get, I think you got Lamar Jackson, and you also had Andrews, and then somehow Bateman fell back to you. But where I'll typically take Lamar is if I, if I took Mark Andrews at the end of the second round. Because it's really easy to come back at the beginning of the fifth round then and be like, well, fine, I'll take Lamar Jackson and I'll pair him up. Um, it's tougher with Lamar if you really want to stack and, and you don't have Andrews over in best ball, you know, but at the, at the end of the day, like when we're playing in redraft, still the advantage that you get with Jackson, even if you miss on one of your stacks, I think it's still worth it because if we had to pick today, Ian, you have to walk up to Vegas. You got to put a thousand dollars down on which quarterback can lead the NFL in rushing. Let's forget what the odds and things are posted are, but you just get to pick, you have to pick one. Like, who are you picking? It'd be Lamar, but I mean, Kyler would be second. Right. But if we just had to pick who could have a thousand yards rushing, most likely it's going to be Lamar. Now, if you said which quarterback has the best chance to throw for 4,500 yards and rush for a thousand, I think that's Kyler. Yeah. I think it's Kyler Murray. If you ask me which quarterback could throw for 5,000 yards and rush for 15 touchdowns, it's Josh Allen, (laughs) you know, but Josh Allen costs so much more. So we're not saying Josh Allen's not the QB one. It's just the fact that you can still get players very similar to him. That's why we create these tiers. And the fact that you're not going to have to give up an elite running back or wide receiver prospect in your draft to get them. And in your conclusion, you state if Allen Herbert Mahomes or Burrow do fall around or more past ADP, take them. Just don't reach. I was in a draft yesterday, Dwayne. I got Patrick Mahomes eight or 10 spots past ADP. I said, great. And I did the unthinkable. I took Juju Smith Schuster <laughs> because he was also a good 10 picks past ADP. And you Don't. just gave me a hard time that like earlier ah. in the week for doing the same thing. I got Juju around past ADP and I got, I think I got Mahomes like around and a half past ADP that draft. But yeah. So like if folks go check it out, like I break it down into here are the centerpieces. These are guys you really want, but then there's opportunistic buys and opportunistic buys just mean the player has to fall in ADP. I will say though, Allen, Herbert, Mahomes. It's not if they fall five picks past ADP. I'm talking a round or more past ADP. For Allen, I would do it at a round. For Herbert, around a round and a half, you know, but Herbert goes a little later than Allen. Allen, you honestly, 
I've done it at around, but I've also passed him when he's been there around past ADP. Mahomes, I think you need to be a round or two. Honestly, I think Patrick Mahomes should go after Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes should go after Kyler Murray. Patrick Mahomes should go after Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, right now in fantasy football, just based on you know the constructs of the teams and all the things that we've discussed. But there are opportunistic buys. I also agree with you. In these early rounds, the miscast name in this group is Joe Burrow. Yeah. Joe Burrow should not be in this group. Joe Burrow is really, if you if you want to tear him in an archetype, he's Tom Brady, right? He is a pocket passer. He's more like Dak Prescott with better weapons, right? He's more with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson can give you some rushing upside, but he fits more in that tier. He should not be going up here. And, and I think what pushes him up, to be honest, Ian, is it's still best ball season right now, and everybody gets so excited about stacking Jamar Chase. Everybody gets so excited about stacking T. Higgins with Joe Burrow, and so they get to a point in the draft where there's like, oh, I got to do it. I got to do it right now. He's also a young ascending player, so that always you know calculates into you know the math of why people are taking certain players higher. But opportunistic buy is still fine on Burrow, but he really needs to fall down towards you know the other players. Um, so let's say though you miss you know on all these, like you 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 know you. You don't get an opportunistic buy on Allen Herbert, Mahomes, Burrow. Um, you're targeting Jackson, Murray, and Hertz, but they go and it happens. If you don't, that's okay. Like, you know, we're going to, we'll walk on. Like, we'll get into the mid round quarterbacks. There are still plenty of options in the mid rounds, but it does just change a little bit about the way you want to think about your total roster construction, especially in, in best ball, right? So if I get one of these really early round quarterbacks you're and done. I love them, yeah, you're I'm done. usually you're done. done and I'm done in redraft. In best ball, I'm probably done not adding my QB two until later. And it's going to be based on a stack. Like if I've got a Monroe St. Brown, I'll probably grab Jared Goff later. Right. If, if I got Jacoby Myers, I might, I might grab Mac Jones. You know, you're just looking at your bye weeks You want to make sure you're not crossing those things up. Um, but if you're in a redraft situation, yeah, I'm done. If I take one of these. And I think that's an easy tip that people forget Ian. if you're listening to this and you're playing in a redraft home league, don't take two quarterbacks. I mean, if a value is nuts, it's insane. Like you're sitting there, and it's the end of a like so for example earlier this year I did an FFPC um, football guys players championship draft and dude like this is with a bunch of people that spend fifty thousand dollars a year on fantasy football teams and they left Trey I had Lamar Jackson who I took in the fifth round and they left Trey Lance until round seventeen and I'm finally like well screw it like at that point I'm taking Trey Lance right. I don't care like so if a value like that falls in your lap never say never and in redraft you can trade right so remember you do get trade value. But other than a huge value falling down the board, you should be done. Yeah. Final note here. I uh, had a nice staff for Joe Burrow. Look, he was awesome last year. We all saw him. QB 10, 20.6 fantasy points per game. Expected fantasy points per game. Just his workload. He was the QB 20. He was the highest performer above expectation among any quarterback last year. And hey, Joe Burrow's awesome. Maybe he can do it again. But he was the most efficient quarterback in the league last year. Number one yards per attempt. And he was also the most accurate quarterback in terms of adjusted completion rate. So yeah, maybe he can do it again. He did it once. He needs to be that good in order to meet his value. Whereas you have guys like freaking like Josh Allen, man, averaged 26.7 expected fantasy points per game. Kyler was at 21.8. Burrow, 17.3. He's playing a different position than these guys because he doesn't run the same. So yeah, Burrow he is far, he's far more like Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins than he is, you know, the other quarterbacks we just talked about. Which takes us right into our mid-round QB tier. Again, ESPN, Yahoo, underdog. You're expecting to see these guys in a 12-team league usually leave the board in round 7 through 11. FFPC, which is tight end premium, where the tight ends get pushed up, more like rounds 9 to 15. Quarterbacks with ADP going in this range, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Trey Lance, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and Kirk Cousins basically fills out the top 15. Your two centerpieces, Dwayne, Russell Wilson and Derek Carr. We've made it 24 minutes in this podcast, and now we're going to get to hear about you know the <laughs> NFC, AFC West shootout stat. Let's go. Like you know the stat by now. Should I just let you run with it? I'll give you the floor. 56%. Of the games that are pre projected for 50 points or more on Superbook right now in this season, and in weeks one through 17, which is all we care about, that's fantasy football. We don't care about week 18 unless you're playing DFS. 56% of those shootouts belong to the AFC and NFC West. Ooh. So we're just talking about teams that are going to have to score points. These are high-quality offenses. Most of them have good quarterbacks. The 49ers, do we have a question mark? Yeah, but their offense is usually good. 
Um, so really the only bad squad out of all of that, right, is, you know, when we look over at the Seahawks. But other than that, you've got seven offenses that, that can all score um, points, which means more fantasy points for you. So, and again, a lot of this comes down to, Ian, like one of my favorite things that you have, don't hate the player, hate the ADP. And really where these centerpieces come from is you get a tier of players that all, to your point, they all go together, really. But then you look at it and you look at ADP and where are the sweet spots and which players potentially give you the most upside based on those things and ADP. And I really think that they are Wilson and Carr. I'm fine with Tom Brady. I will draft him. I'm fine with Dak Prescott. I'm souring a little bit on Dak, Ian. Um, yeah. To me, he probably belongs more. I think I'm going to bump him a tier down to put him with Stafford and Rodgers. Uh, you know, I think he's really more similar to them. I don't think he has the upside that Brady and Russ uh, you know, probably even bump him below Trey Lance and put him down there in that group with Stafford, Stafford and Rogers. But still, with Dak, I'm willing to take him. You know, and I draft a lot of CD Lamb, so in best ball, I've got plenty of exposure to Dak just because it's like it's a bet on Lamb and Dak together, just blowing up. But at the end of the day, Russ Wilson just gives you a better rushing upside. You know, Russ Russ Wilson, like, look, we know he's getting older. We know he's not going to do as much, but he's a smart runner, right? He's not this guy that takes these huge hits. He knows how to slide. In 2020, he had 500 yards rushing. 2020 so last year he was hurt so i think when you look at russ like maybe he doesn't give you 500 but i think he can easily give you 350 to 400 yards rushing he's gonna be in shootouts we don't love his weapons like he doesn't have a top end weapon but he has multiple weapons that we think can be good right between tim patrick between Cortland sutton between jerry judy albert okwabunum you know ian's going to talk about dulcich here um you got good backfield with javante melvin gordon they can both catch the ball there's just a lot of ways that, that wilson can go and unless denver's defense all of a sudden is just like out of this world which is what it would have to be against the quarterbacks they're going to face week in and week out Give me the quarterbacks. This league is built for quarterbacks, not defense. I really don't care who your personnel is. If you have to play the def- the quarterbacks, they're going to play every week. It's just going to create a ton of chances for shootouts. So with Wilson, I really love him. He, he's also easy, you know, to pair with other players. You know, we'll do a, an episode on wide receiver next week. But like, if you're playing over on ESPN, you're playing in Yahoo. Like, Cortland Sutton's going way too damn late. Like, he's going way after what he goes in these in these what we would call quote unquote expert or high stakes drafts, like over on FFPC. These players are going like two rounds after what the you know where they go there over on ESPN and eighty and Yahoo ADP. So there's also just a lot of possibilities there. Derek Carr, you add. Devonte Adams, you have the schedule that we just talked about, you know, and you know, on ESPN, like he's pick one ten, Yahoo's pick one twelve, so it's just really cheap. Um, again, I like all the quarterbacks in this tier. Like the biggest, you know, takeaway, you know, around this tier is I want to have one of these. Ian, if I don't have a quarterback from the first group that we talked about, by the time you know we get you know down to round ten, round eleven, and I'm looking up the board and I don't have a quarterback yet. I would prefer to go ahead and grab one of these, whether it's Stafford, Rogers, Carr, Cousin, you know, Cousins. You can talk about any of them. Um, but I think the one that carries the absolute most upside in this tier, you Here know, if comes. everything goes right, Leon, Ian, Leon. Sure. This, this, that's me combining the, the word Lance and Ian. But I was <laughs> going to give you a drum, low, a drum roll and like let you roll with it because I, I know you're huge on Trey Lance, but I think it is Lance. I think if you're looking for the player that you could look up at the end of the season and be like, wow. I got one of those top six quarterbacks that Dwayne and Ian were talking about, but I didn't take until around 10 or 11. It's Trey Lance. Like, yeah. like, like Trey Lance is the guy that can do that for you. Right now, PFF projections. We actually have f- five quarterbacks surpassing, seven quarterbacks surpassing 100 rush attempts. No suspension baked in for Deshaun Watson just yet. He's there. Kyler's there. Trey Lance, 133. Justin Fields, 140. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar Jackson, even higher than that. And when you see guys have this sort of rushing upside, Dwayne, they don't bust. I've said the study before. I'll say it again. 11 of 12 quarterbacks get at least 125 carries in the season. Top 12 fantasy production on a per-game basis. Only 2020 Cam Newton was the exception. And my God post-shoulder surgery cam and that Patriots offense that made Tom Brady look freaking mortal for a change. I don't think that's what Trey Lance has to deal with getting the ball out to Debo, Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk. It's inevitable, Dwayne, that Lance is going to be the QB7, I think, behind Jalen Hurts and that top tier of guys. And honestly, as long as the ADP isn't getting next to Jalen Hurts and those guys, because obviously I'll take Hurts and Kyler over freaking Trey Lance, but I don't see a great reason to take Brady, Russ, Dak, these other guys ahead of Trey Lance. 
Well, yeah, and I think in best ball there are reasons because you might be trying like you maybe you've got Mike Evans and you've got Russell Gage, and so you want to go with Brady. That's it's just fine. a bet on the that's fine. But to your point, if I'm just playing if I'm playing in a redraft, which is really what we're talking about today, I agree with that. And once Jimmy G is gone, that that the only reason I don't have Trey Lance higher is because of Jimmy G and because of Kyle Shanahan. And like I just I I don't know. I just it's kind of a weird thing for me. Like I just know how fickle Kyle Shanahan is. Hell, we saw him do it with RG3 when they went to Kirk Cousins. And so it's just it's kind of that same scenario. So that's been enough for me to be like, okay, I love Lance and I acknowledge the upside. Um, points per drop back are on the scale of what we would talk about in Lamar. Now it's a small sample, but you know, it's fantasy points per drop back. We're similar to freaking Lamar Jackson's, you know, league crushing year. So we, we know that upside's there. We had this conversation last year about Jalen Hurts. Look, if you can run for 800 yards, just like what basically tying back to what you just said, you're just not going to bust. Yeah. You're going to, you're, you're, you're not going to have a, t- you're not going to finish outside the top 12 either. Like you're going to be in the top 12 and he's got the, he's got the weapons, man. What if he takes this big step forward as a passer and you got Kittle, you got Debo, you got Brandon Ayuk. If, if things click, man, he could be the QB one overall. That is, that really is Lance's upside, it, it, and it can be reasonable. I know we can say that about, oh, he has QB one overall. Every quarterback has QB one overall in their range of outcomes somewhere. Well, not maybe not every one, but most of them. But like you start trying to narrow that down and say, hey, at the 75th percentile of their outcomes, they can still be a QB one. Like Trey Lance can do that. Trey Lance can do that for you. So I think he is a priority. And once, once Garoppolo's gone in, I mean, I don't even know that I would hesitate that much if he was going like six picks after Jalen Hurts, I, I don't think I would probably even hesitate. I think I'd be fine. Then what's held me back is I don't want Garoppolo on the team because I, that leaves a chance to be benched. I, and, and that's the part, I guess I was maybe missing with the original argument. Cause we're on the same page that Trey Lance is going to be the week one starter, regardless of if Jimmy G ends up being traded or not, but yeah, if he struggles out of the gate, I know Shanahan, the 49ers consider this a Super Bowl ready roster. They just freaking barely lost the NFC championship. You know, they were a caught interception away from probably making the freaking Super Bowl. So, yeah, from that perspective, if Jimmy G is still there, Lance starts off a little bit rough. It could happen. But my God, that's ceiling. If we can just get <laughs> 17 huge. starts out of Trey Lance, absolutely huge. High floor pocket passers in this range. Again, Stafford, Rogers, Carr, Cousins. Already talked plenty about Carr. But in this group of quarterbacks, yeah, if Carr is falling, if Cousins is falling, like I just don't see the need to reach on a Stafford or Rogers. Like these quarterbacks might as well be the same guy to me, like when I'm drafting. Yes. Take the cheapest one or take the one that you already have a stack. Play with. play the board. So if you don't do this already, most sites that you draft on now, like I remember when I first started drafting, I had a I'm a boomer. But I had a printout like of, you know, the board and I would write down everybody's pick into their box. So I would literally just be able to see, okay, I got five picks behind me. Nobody has a quarterback yet behind me. And there's three left in my tier. I'm going to go ahead and take one of them. Opposite thing happens. I'm looking behind me, five picks. Four of the five teams already have a quarterback. There's three quarterbacks still in the tier that I like. And it's the guys you're talking about where it's flat. It's Stafford. It's Rodgers. It's Carr. It's Cousin. Those those four are there. And and four out of the five teams drafting behind me before it's my pick again already have a quarterback. I just let it go. And because I'm fine. Like, you, you guys can tell me. Let's say you guys all – let's say three of them decide to go ahead and take a quarterback for whatever reason. Whatever. Like, I'll take the odds on it. Most likely, I'm still getting one of the players in the tier. And then I'll do the same thing. It comes back to me, and there's still four in it. And now I look down at the – this is why I love drafting from the middle. Now I look down at the other end of the board, and I do the same thing again. And I just kind of basically roughly calculate my odds in my head. And if I think there's still a chance one of those guys is going to make it back, I don't want to risk it too much. If there's only two left on the board, and then there's two teams behind me that still need a quarterback, I'm going to go ahead and take one right um or maybe there's only one team that needs a quarterback but only two on the board because sometimes teams will double up i might go ahead and take one but again if there's five there and only two teams need a quarterback i'm gonna pass it again i'm gonna go ahead and tack on another running back running back another receiver you know i'm gonna look at those other tiers so make sure you guys are pulling those boards up if you're at home you're on your desktop i love drafting from my computer rather than my phone obviously underdog you know i just fall asleep and let my phone (laughs) hit me in the face you know as i'm drafting um, but in most drafts, you get more than 30 seconds and you can, you can be looking at all this stuff. You can have it up and you can do it on an underdog too. You can just, you can pop it out in the window and be looking at it. I always look in front and behind me. And honestly, Ian, I think it's becoming a lost art because people get so used to being on their phones and they're just looking at this one little screen. And it's so easy to, it's just an easy thing that you can do to be like, okay, here's my tier. 
And here's what the people that are drafting after me, this is what their team looks like. So which way should I go? One big point you make at the end of this is that in redraft, you want to come away with one quarterback from the earlier mid-round groups. Best ball, you pretty much must come away with one of those options. But Dwayne, if you don't, you somehow make it through. Top 15 QBs are gone. Go get Justin Fields. He is the prime late round QB this year. I, I think it's almost inevitable that he's going to rise up into or very close to the top 12 because all the same stuff we said with Trey Lance, except for the weaponry involved. It's also pretty true with Justin Fields. We did see those four consecutive top 10 finishes in his last four healthy starts of 2021. But Dwayne, it's a huge teardrop off, in my opinion, from Fields to the rest of these guys. I'm not saying one can't hit, but Tua, Lawrence, Jameis, Mac Jones, they, they Daniel Jones. They don't have the profile, so Fields nope. has the profile to do it. The only other one that's there is Watson, and you're you're just you're banking on a legal situation there. Um, yep. So I think once Fields is gone, um, here's the other thing I'll say with Fields. Let's say you waited, like what we talked about, and and this would be really specific to best ball and redraft. We already talked about it. Even in redraft, like if you're playing in a deep league, ever here's the thing: you guys all know your leagues, <laughs> so you know how your league mates act. You do they draft quarterbacks and you know hoard them? You know, um, you know, do you have deep rosters where all the quarterbacks are gone? Do you play in a super flex? Like those things all have to be factored in. We're pretty much talking about a one quarterback starting league right now. Not not pretty much. That's what we're talking about. So make your adjustments. But like looking at fields, whenever let's say you did take. Matt Stafford, like just say you're playing the tier game and you're like, get down the last one. You're like, oh, boom, I played this perfect. I tacked on two more receivers while I was waiting on quarterback. I got Stafford. And let's just say you're pretty much loaded. You're loaded at receivers and running backs at this point. And then it comes back around to you in the next round. You're like, you know, I really want this. I want an upside piece. If you're in best ball, the next pick is fields. Yeah. Like you, you take Stafford and then you come back with fields. Now you just kind of, you gave yourself the best of both worlds. And the later I take a quarterback generally in best ball, the the closer I'm going to pair my next one. I'm going to go ahead and take the next one that I want. Um, and the same can be said for a redraft. If for some reason you're going to take two quarterbacks, you should pretty much treat it the same way. If you're taking one of the early elites, just place your bet and walk away. If you're taking one of the later ones and you're in a draft, you draft a lot of rounds and it's fine, great. Then you know you can add a player like Fields. But Fields you know, is the next one. And if you miss on all of them, yes, you need to – you need to swing on fields, um, you know, immediately. And honestly, I would just throw ADP out the window. If all of a sudden that tier dries up and you don't get one of those other quarterbacks we talk and it comes back to you in the next round, I don't care if fields is, is sitting there at, and you got to take him 15 spots ahead of ADP. At that point, that's where you throw ADP out. Your roster construction becomes much more important and getting access to the upside becomes way more important than just trying to build the perfect roster based on ADP. Chunk it out the window, you take Justin Fields, and then you go on from there. And be willing to accept that we have a lot of bad quarterbacks here that we don't know which ones are necessarily going to take the step forward or going to continue to suck. So be happy to play your roster and just go for the best case scenario. First or last, stack them with your guys you already have. Don't be reaching on Tua you know, just because you think he's, uh, yeah, Dwayne, we both have Tua ranked ahead of Davis Mills, but if we already have Brandon Cooks and we happen to pick up Nico Collins, now all of a sudden, go ahead and take Davis Mills. And I think you could argue, man, that like the disparity and difference between Tua and Trevor Lawrence going in rounds like 11 and 12. Yeah, again, I have them ranked higher than these guys, but Tua, Lawrence, rounds 11, 12, or Carson Wentz, Davis Mills, round 16 or 17, man. I find myself, especially if I was able to get a Kyler, taking even the back end of this tier. Yeah, and in big tournaments, especially best ball, you've got to do that if you want a chance at the big money. Look, we've talked about the game stack bringbacks and all that, but the most important correlation is stacking your quarterbacks and, and their pass-receiving weapons. Th that's the number one thing. If you, if you do one thing in best ball besides tiers and and, and value drafting, all those things are important. But if you do one extra thing, make sure you're getting the weapons that go with quarterbacks. I will say with Justin Fields, I don't mind going naked. You know, um, I don't mind if I don't have Cole Komet or I don't have Darnell Mooney just because you kind of get to the end there and you may not want to force it with Komet, you know, in the next round, um, but you're still getting the access to what we really want, which is the rushing upside. And this is more so right there. That's a, that's a best ball conversation. Yeah. I, I really don't care at all in redraft. Like if I'm sitting there and I don't have a quarterback yet and I've got to reach for fields by 15 spots and I don't have Darnell Mooney, I really don't give a shit. Like I'm just taking Justin Fields. Like it's what you got to do at that point. Um, so that's, that's 
most of it, like you mentioned these other guys, Ian, there are other options if you folks want to check it out. And, and basically it's tiers, right? So you've got pocket passers with multiple high-end ADP weapons. Like, so there's just kind of disconnects. Like when you look at Tua, he's going a little higher than Jared Goff, but you know, he's got Tyreek Hill going in round two. He's got Jalen Waddle going in the early fourth round. He's got Mike Gusecki, who's going inside the top 12 tight ends. He's got Chase Edmonds, a pass catching back, going inside the top 10 rounds. You can make a case that Tua could not even be that good, but could just have a high efficiency season. And he's also easy to stack with elite weapons. Jared Goff, you got, and so these are these are underdog ADPs right now that I'm giving you guys because we are talking about the stacks, but they're they're pretty close over in, in the redraft. Yeah. But if you look at Amon Ross St. Brown, he's going pretty much the same no matter where you look. FFPC, you want to look at ESPN, you want to look at Yahoo. People like Amon Ross St. Brown, you're taking him in the fifth or the sixth round. You're getting DeAndre Swift typically in the second round as a pass receiving back. Then you're coming back and you're getting TJ Hawkinson in like round seven to nine. So you've got three weapons we just talked about inside the top ten rounds. Plus, you've got rookie Jamison Williams. Um, some people like DJ Chark. Goff is one where there's enough players at the ADPs they're at like – just looking at it, you're like, well, one of these things has to be wrong. Either these Lions can't all score these points or Jared Goff is going to be a better fantasy quarterback than what we think. Like, like it's one of those two things. And so I like trying to play into things like that. The other little tier to talk about, you have pocket passers with talent infusions that could improve. So these aren't quite the same. You don't have like the high-end top 10 round picks going. But Trevor Lawrence, like we kind of laughed about it. They spent all this money on Christian Kirk. They spent all this money on Zay Jones. But at the end of the day, even though those guys are not elite playmakers, they are upgrades. You also get Travis Etienne back, who had the highest PFF receiving grade in all of college football in 2020. So you've got a lot more weapons for a guy like Lawrence, who's also young, could take a step forward. Jameis Winston. We could get Mike Thomas back. We'll see. Kind of scary. But you add Chris Olave, you add Jarvis Landry. We'll see what happens with Kamara. But there's enough weapons there for Winston. You know, you look at Zach Wilson. Had a terrible year, like bottom five and rookie, you know, passer grade over the last 10 years over at PFF. Not good, but here, there's still hope. Josh Allen was in that group. Um, I think there was another quarterback. I can't remember who it is, but Derek Carr. Derek Carr was in that group. He was in like the bottom seven. So players can improve. And so when you look at Zach Wilson, we, we love Elijah Moore, super talented. Corey Davis, former top eight pick in the NFL. And then now you add Garrett Wilson um, and you add Brees Hawk who can catch the ball. We've already talked about Michael Carter who can catch the ball. And the last one, you know, Ian, like, actually I'm going to let Ian do this one because Carson Wentz has been your thing like since like you know a month <laughs> and a half ago. But Carson Wentz is similar, Ian. So you can kind of take us home with that one. Bro, like it's just Carson Wentz and Baker. Yeah, they're not the top 12, 15 quarterbacks that they flashed at certain points in their career. Like Dwayne, I might not quite be I haven't been on this earth quite as long as you have, but I'm old enough to remember 2017 when Carson Wentz probably should have won the MVP award. Like that doesn't happen by accident. And I'm seeing people just being like, okay, Carson Wentz, look how bad he was in the second half of last season. Like that's who he is. It's like, no, that's not who he is. He was really good in the first half of last season. This is a quarterback who has highs and he also has lows. And honestly, that's, you could argue ideal for best ball when you're getting him as a QB 28, 29, and in an offense with Jahan Dotson, with Curtis Samuel, with Terry McLaurin, you could argue the best group of weapons he's probably ever played with. Like, yeah, he had a nice offensive line with the Colts last year. He also had Michael Pittman, and that's about it to throw to with all <laughs> with not, all due respect. Yeah, with all due respect to T.Y. Hilton's corpse out there. But I just, man, the it's not so much like how high I am on Carson Wentz. It's the idea that there's this massive gap between like Tua and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Carson Wentz. Like you want to tell me Wentz is like definitively worse than all these guys. That's where I draw the line. Cause to me, that is just simply not the case. I did want to call out one thing you mentioned there in regards to Jared Goff and the idea that these high end quarterbacks or that when a quarterback has multiple high end teammates that, Hey, you might just have a high end quarterback in your own right. I did do a study last off season. So I didn't update it with 2021 yet, but from 2011 to 2020, 40% of fantasy QB1s had at least one top 24 wide receiver and one top 12 tight end. Amonra, I think it's like wide receiver 25 or something right now, but he's really close to that line. It's also a good point for Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray should all qualify. Kirk Cousins uh, qualifies with that as well, as does Derek Carr. So yeah, when you see the top 12 tight end and an elite receiver, pretty good chance you're also looking at a damn good quarterback in your own right. Yeah, man. Um, and just to finish these out, we already mentioned Watson briefly. His ADP has risen like five, six rounds just with, over the last week. Dwayne, with Watson. 
it seems yep. like the I don't know how good these rumors are, but let's say it's more of a six to eight game suspension as opposed to full season. Where do you think he rises up? Because to me, I don't know. I think he probably right now on underdog, he's going QB 23 and just, you know, falling depending on the draft you're in. I don't know that I, maybe he goes ahead, Justin Fields, but I'm not sure he's cracking the top 15. And at that price point, I think I'd be down. Yeah, I would be down. I think where you got to put him is above Tua and all the other guys that we talked about. Like, and so he would fit still in this conversation that we're talking. And again, it does matter. Like six games versus eight does matter, right? Six versus 10. Um, but let's just assume it's six. Um, so he's going to miss almost half of your regular fantasy football season. Um, the way I look at Watson in that range, especially it's going to be based on my build, right? So if I'm looking well, number one, that's a low price. The thing, the other, the other players that you're drafting in that range, like Watson's going to be the most sure thing that you're going to get. If you know that he's going to play, like you're not going to draft anyone else in that range that you're going to feel as good about as what Deshaun Watson's going to do when he's on the, the field here. Are like some of the players going around Justin Fields, right. Alexander Madison, me, Cole Hartman, Michael Gallup, Jacoby Myers, Damian Pierce, Cole Komet. Not that those guys can't do anything, but we're talking about Deshaun Watson here. Every time this dude has been on a field, he has been an upside QB one all four seasons of his professional career. Yeah, I think once you get past like the high end upside, because we're going to talk about running backs in our next episode, and I do think there's a fairly specific, it can be flexible, but strategy you're going to need to think about with running backs this year. So in rounds like 10, 9 through 12 right now is where really all of the high upside and contingent type plays. We did your handcuff article yesterday, Ian. A ton of the guys you mentioned at the top are all in this range, right? So depending on how you start your roster, let's say you go modified or anchor RB, hero RB, whatever the hell you people want to call it, um, you, you get one running back, right, in your first two rounds. And then let's say you just lay off. And so when you get to round 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, like there's a ton you know, of running backs that go in that range. And so I think once you get past those is probably where I would start slotting in Watson or right maybe at the end at the end of those at the end of those you know backs and again it does depend on your roster construction if you started off you know with with two backs you already grabbed your third and you missed out on quarterbacks and let's say you grabbed fields I might just turn fields and Watson especially in a best ball I might even do that in a home league you know and that it's a very specific type of thing that's playing out right the problem in a home league with Watson. that's great for keepers though man if you have that situation yes (laughs) it is great the problem with Watson in a home league if you're playing and a lot of people that are listening are playing in leagues where you have 15 you know, spots on your roster and you got to have a kicker and a defense, which is, you should abolish that rule for your league. I'll let Amen. Ian beat on that Amen. and still keep the 15 spots. Right. But just get rid of kicker and defense. Cause it's just a bunch of random BS, but let's say you get 15 spots. You got to do those two things. Well, now you're down to 13 spots that you had. And I had to kind of remember that when I was writing these articles, you know, cause I play in leagues where pretty much it's always 18 to 20 rounds, no matter what or more. And so I'm writing and I'm like, at the end of this, I'm like, yeah, you should take five receivers in this range. I'm like, Dwayne, like you're an idiot. Like most people can't (laughs) take most people. If they took five receivers here, like would have like five receivers more than, you know, would have five (laughs) extra players on their roster. Um, So kind of give me some grace when you guys read these things and realize like where I'm coming from. I, I, I tried to make it all about you and adapt, but the point being, Taking a second quarterback, especially on those type of rosters, and they got to clog up a spot for like six to eight weeks of nothing. You know how it goes, Ian. When injuries hit and bye weeks hit, it gets really tough. I do think you can make an exception for Watson, but I think you need to have a certain roster construction. I'm probably not going to be down for taking Watson just to try to block somebody else in my league, unless it's a deep league. If I'm in a 20-teamer and I look over at you know Harditz, and I'm looking at his team, I'm going, oh my God, like he's built a juggernaut and I see all the quarterbacks are gone and he's just getting screwed. Then I probably am going to go ahead. I might take Watson, but it's got to be as my second quarterback, just so Ian can't have him, but it's got to be a deep league. It's really tough to do that in a league where you only get 13 non-kicker and defense you know, spots on your roster if you've already got a quarterback that you took early. So that, that would be my thought. You got to every, all these things are guidelines. None of them are strict rules. You've got to, you've got to play it out. And plus you guys get to have your own decision-making. That's what's fun about fantasy football. You listen to us, you know, um, you take in, you know, knowledge from other great folks as well. And then you, you assimilate all that, right. And you make your decisions. You do, you decide how you're going to attack your fantasy drafts. That's how I would approach Watson. But like, just to kind of tie a bow on this and then Ian, you can jump in with anything else. You know, so, Wrapping up the late round, you're adding fields ahead of ADP if you miss on the early early to mid-round options. Again, throw ADP out the window. We don't care. 
you can consider Watson, you know, as that late round option. If you're in best ball, you could even consider him as a QB three problem is ADP is getting a little higher right now. Used to, you could get him with your last pick. That was easier, but you're just swinging for a big outcome. Um, in redraft, all the quarterbacks outside of fields, they can pretty much, they can remain on your waiver wire. If you've already got an early round option, like what you and I talked about early, earlier, Ian, or if you've got two mid rounders, like you don't need to take another one, you know, you don't need to take any of these guys in these late rounds and best ball. Uh, you can take two of these options for, um, a three quarterback build. If your first quarterback came from the mid rounds, right? Not the early. So remember when we talked about the mid rounds earlier, we were talking about, uh, this group of quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Trey Lance, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and Kirk Cousins. And then the last point that I would make here, you know, your preferences and best ball should be given to quarterbacks that, you know, what you mentioned in the end, they create alignment, right, with your other players, your wide receivers, your tight ends. You can do running backs, too, if it's a receiving running back. Remember, but remember, typically, like if you have Jonathan Taylor, you don't want Matt Ryan. The correlation is the opposite on those two players. Um, so typically if Jonathan Taylor has a big game, Matt Ryan's not going to have a big game, but if Michael Pittman has a big game, usually Matt Ryan is going to have a big game. So you have to think about it from that perspective. Great stuff, Dwayne. And we're going to be right back doing the same thing for running backs. Look at us squeezing an actual podcast in under 60 minutes. They said it couldn't be done. We came here today and accomplished that very task. Again, you can find all Dwayne's stuff over at pff.com. And if you have not signed up just yet, what are you waiting for? You can use code PFF40. 40% off on your annual PFF subscription. This could be our best preseason sale all season long. Again, that's code PFF40. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Dwayne and I blasted this out on Twitter, but we have a new PFF app that's coming out. You can sign up and check out the beta version. As our lovely boss, George, has told us you know, time and time again, this will be the worst version of it ever. We need people to come in, try it out, and tell us what is wrong so we can make it Again, continue to make it, in my opinion, the best fantasy football experience that you can have in the app. And this is just the first version of it, Dwayne. What we have coming up, I know some people have asked for a few more advanced stats and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's coming. Just need, uh, you know, our developers to help catch up to everything that, you know, Dwayne, myself, and the others have helped put into this. So just incredibly excited about everything we have going um, in fantasy. And, you know, Dwayne, I, I think one thing we do here is, yeah, we have our we have our picks, we have our targets, we have our guys. But more than anything, you know, I, I think it's really easy to – go out there and, you know, here are my 10 top, top 10 wide receivers. I'm just like talking in a human thread now, top 10 wide receivers. You can't leave your draft with that. Like, yeah, we can all pull 10 names out of our ass and list them here, but actually going through it. I understand not everyone has the time necessarily. And there are real life challenges as well, but I think the more, you know, you can learn how to fish versus just getting the fish handed to you is going to make you, you know, not only better in the year 2022, but also, uh, you know, to infinity and beyond in future years. So, Great stuff, Dwayne. And we'll be back soon to talk running backs. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care. Everybody.